Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm your host, Lori Barkman, founder of Small.Big. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself a business transition Sherpa. My mission is guiding entrepreneurs on ways to build value in your business and then benefit by letting it go. On this show, we spotlight the theme of transitions, not only to reward you for your hard work, but also to ensure that you look back on your succession without regret. Catch all the episodes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to visit SuccessionStories.com to sign up for our newsletter. Here's to your success. With over a decade of family business expertise in Africa, Nikkei Anani helps owners lead their family organizations to long-term impact and legacy. She was rated as a top 100 family business consultant globally. Nikkei works to bridge generational gaps to enable companies to successfully transition to the next generation. In Africa, private businesses have just a 2% succession rate to the second generation, compared to 40% in the U.S. We talked about her personal experience with her family's company and how she's creating a multinational network to help reverse this trend. Nikkei Anani, welcome to Succession Stories. This is a really cool conversation we're going to have. I'm so glad that you had reached out to me about the show because today Succession Stories goes global and we're going to talk about family businesses on another continent, which is Africa. And (laughs) we're going to talk about how you're dedicating your life to the family business segment in the African community. And I loved when we talked initially, and I'm so excited for you to share your story and to learn more about your mission. So welcome. Thank you so much, Laurie. I'm really excited about this conversation as well. Great. Well, why don't we start with you telling us about you? What is your story? Where Mm. did you grow up and (laughs) where are you today? Well, where do we start? My story is one that's deeply embedded in our family business's story. So my parents, when they had me, they were 25 and 26, young doctor and a young teacher here in Lagos, Nigeria. And they couldn't afford to give me the standard of living they wanted. And that was the genesis of the family business. They set up the family business to supplement their income. Flash forward nine years later, my parents decided that it was best for my brothers and I for our life exposure, for our education to move to the UK, hence the very strong British accent. And so I was out in the UK for 16 years. I went to university there. I studied economics and I loved economics because particularly the module on development, because that really rung home to me because when we would visit Nigeria, I would visit my dad who still stayed back to keep building the businesses. I was really quite moved by the extent of poverty. And so in my mind, I guess that season was throwing the seeds towards what what part do I have to play in seeing that Africa grows in a sustainable way and alleviates poverty? So I then had a brief career in accountancy and corporate in Deloitte in London. I loved it, loved the culture, loved the people, loved everything about it, but the work itself, it was just like, this is not life. This isn't like what I will, you know, be that I I don't jump out of bed wanting to advise on corporate tax international issues. This isn't me, but I didn't know what that was. And so I remember calling my father and saying, you know what, why don't I come to Nigeria and spend some time really learning more about the family businesses? 
and get exposure to your friends and different industries that they're in to perhaps find what really would light me up. And that started my journey 10 years ago. Coming to Nigeria, I was only supposed to be here for three months. <laughs> I was only supposed to be here for three months. I was supposed to go traveling for six and I was supposed to go to London Business School for an MBA. But as God would have it, all those plans literally were turned upside down. I didn't get into business school. It was the only business school I applied to. And as soon as I got to Nigeria, I loved the entrepreneurial culture. I loved working. It started very informally with my father, just shadowing. But what would typically happen was, particularly with a number of investment meetings he would go to, because he was investing as well as running our operating business. I would just end up taking over the meetings and because I'd built up the right skills for investment management and what have you. I was studying for my CFA at the time and I was an accountant. So it was just this very organic, natural fit. And so that started my entrenchment into the family business and entrenched I was in all aspects. I was very operational in HR and finance admin in the operating business, which was construction, real estate. And as well as I set up the family office to manage all the different investments my dad had gotten into, to just create a one-stop shop, a well-defined investment process, and to ensure that we're really optimizing and mitigating risk. And so my first hand experience as a second gen business owner was really what inspired and prompted me to go down the path I'm in now because I found it an extremely lonely journey. There was no advisors on the ground advising on family business. There were lots of business advisors talking about corporate governance, strategy, innovation, agile thinking, but no one over here was having a conversation on family, the niche that is family business. And so I found it really lonely you know, not having an outlet, not having a guide to guide me through the various transitions we were going through in the family, in the business, and as an industry as well, as a nation. And then I found it lonely. There was no community. There was no association. There was nowhere where I could go to other people, be like, okay, we're going through this. How are you going through that as well? If you've been through it, what can we, what can you teach me about your journey? or even an opportunity to network with people. And so flash forward three years ago, I decided to develop my competence to be a family business advisor, to help my family navigate our transitions as well as other families, and to build that community that I longed for at that point in time. And the reason really is, is, you know, like I mentioned, economics is my jam. Um, family businesses are so, you know, like in the United States here as well in Africa, they're critical to the economy. They play a huge role in communities. They empower so many employees against the backdrop of such high levels of absolute poverty. And over in Africa, we are not doing as well from a generational transition perspective as the U.S. Only 2% of businesses will outlive the founder. And in the U.S., it's about 40%. It's right? about 40. Yeah. And so it's just really, that's why I'm doing what I do. I absolutely love it. And I think it's really critical. And I'm just a bit obsessed with family business. Uh, <laughs> that's an amazing backdrop. I want to rewind on a couple of things that you talked about. One, growing up in England, in the UK, 
away from your father. So you have, you said some brothers, I think two siblings, is that right? Two brothers? Mm -hmm. Two younger brothers. Two Mm -hmm. younger brothers. So you're the oldest and here you are with your mother. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about her because she sounds like a pretty important person in your life. And to raise three kids, essentially, I think you said for 10 years, Sixteen. Uh, without your father there, he was back in Nigeria building the companies. Mm. I'm sure it wasn't easy having your mom and dad not together, right? You didn't see your dad every day. He was back in Nigeria building the family business, which you mentioned was construction. Mm-hmm. And you were very, very young. I think you said you were maybe 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So what was that like to not see your dad for that time? And then when you went back to Nigeria in your adult years to go back and see everything and then be together, not only as a family, but just seeing this company and how much it had grown. What, what did that, what was that like? Mm, that's a really great question. I mean, to be honest with you, my mom was always the glue of the family, even before we moved from Nigeria to the UK. My dad was always working <laughs> as most founders. Um, he was quite obsessed with this business he was building and He'd be traveling up and down the country looking for new jobs and what have you. So that being said, the move to the UK was quite significant for me as a child. It was quite obviously my world was Nigeria, my extended family as well, my friends and my home. So then the separation of the family unit was quite was was a lot to deal with. But my mom, the constants of my mom was something that I really treasure. She and my dad actually started the business together, but she was very much behind the scenes. And so dad, whilst we were in the UK for all those many years, he just went gung-ho, you know, beasting it out and building out this business. And so by the time I came back, it was unrecognizable. It was had grown to 3,000 members of staff. It was just this huge thing and been investing in all these huge deals with institutional investors and with government, with public private partnerships and things like that. So it was almost like, whoa, what is this? And then secondly, I was getting to know my father as an adult for the first time because I didn't see my dad every day, right? It was the phone calls, like what what were your grades like as most Nigerian parents? Like, (laughs) (laughs) why did you get a B and not an A? It was the flying in for graduations. It was the milestone birthdays and things like that family vacations we went on annual vacations with the whole family and things like that but it's still not the same as your day-to-day dad and so what I really loved about that transition when I moved back a huge piece of why I decided to stay was I was I was falling in love with getting to know my dad as an adult and it was just it was just so organic and just so really fun. We would be in meetings and just be laughing. We had inside jokes and we traveled. There's a particular trip that comes to mind. We went to India. We're looking at an agri project in Nigeria to invest in and we're looking for technical partners. And there was an Indian group that were, were quite well-versed at the time. And we had to drive out to rural India from Delhi for like on this seven hour car trip. And the whole time we were just cackling like little children with our insider jokes. And everyone on the bus was like, what's going on here? Like you guys are like brother and sister. But so for, for me, working in the business gave us an avenue for common passions, common interests and a bond between the two of us. Were your brothers part of the company too? So my brothers, when I moved back, my mom moved back three months before me. Then I followed. My brothers were still in the UK. 
they were still in university and working. So even till now, my brothers have never been operational. So it's always been just my father and myself. Mum still really is behind the scenes and not very much involved. So yeah, it was just the two of us. Okay. And you really got to know each other. That's irreplaceable that time, you know, and and I guess in some ways it was trying to replace that lost time where you didn't see each other day to day when you were growing up and then you were able to, to make that bond. That's amazing. So you Mm -hmm. talked in your introduction about the role that you played at the company Mm -hmm. and how lonely it felt. Tell me more about that. What what do you mean by that? What was lonely about it? (laughs) I think firstly, feeling And I will say the word feeling because no one ever explicitly made me feel this way or said anything, but feeling like I couldn't have an identity of my own outside of my father. And the shadow of his success was, it was making it difficult for me to shine in my own right. And he had a very strong personality, strong influence over this huge business that he built from nothing. And also in society as well, was very well recognized. Even when I would go out on my own with my friends, without my father or mother, people would be like, stop me. Be like, you must be so-and-so's daughter. You look just like him. Tell him hi. I'm like, can I not have a life outside of my own? And also the weight and responsibility of what I was carrying. It at times felt quite overwhelming At times I would be like, well, none of my friends that are 25 have to deal with the responsibility of hiring a CFO of a multi-million business. If I get this wrong, there's so much at stake or even structuring um, our investments and things like that, dealing with lawyers, negotiating exits with a number of our investments because we invested in like kind of like private equity. So in companies, as opposed to like your passive investing portfolio. So it was the weight of it all, just which just felt so enormous and not having a guide or a mentor or a coach to kind of, you know, be able to show me like, what should I prioritize on at this point in time? And then dealing with, you know, life transitions as well. I got married dealing with navigating the changing dynamic of the relationship with my father as I became a wife and erecting boundaries. Just all that was just, there was just so much that um, came with being a family business owner that I felt other business owners or my friends in corporate just didn't understand. So there was no outlet for me to share that, okay, this is what I'm going through. Is this normal? Um, what should I do? Or even just, this feels so lonely. This feels so heavy. Then there were also, it's quite a small, whilst Nigeria is a large country, we have 200 million people. The business community is very, we all know each other. And I found that really quite, I didn't like that. I really loved the anonymity I had in London, where I, I, Nikke and Annie, I just have a job and I just do what I want to do. But I felt a sense of, the word's not accountability, but a sense of lack of um, lack of privacy with respect to our business activities were in the public eye. And I felt there was a sense of entitlement that was projected onto me as though I was just this rich little girl that had all this privilege and didn't have any problems. And her greatest problem was waking up in the morning, knowing how to spend all her many billions of whatever. And it was, that was the lonely part of it was just 
juxtaposed, like I keep saying, against a lot of poverty where um, a lot of people don't have jobs, their basic needs not being met, and they constantly just see you as dollar signs. It's not a nice feeling. Um, whilst I have a very strong sense of responsibility to community, to people, to planet, and to ensure that we are uplifting those that have been left behind. Um, to be treated like in a transactional manner is not a, a nice feeling at all. It makes you not trust people. Um, it makes you very guarded. It just makes you, it just, it, it keeps you, yeah, it makes you stay in that cave and not want to deal with other people. Yeah. And this was probably something you couldn't discuss with your family because your dad would yeah. probably, I'm guessing, shut you down. Like, hey, I worked really hard to build this. You sound ungrateful, right? Yeah. Poor you. Poor you. <laughs> yeah. Let me get out my world's smallest violin and, and play that <laughs> right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There's a lot of weight on their shoulders. And were you also feeling that maybe, and I don't know if you had had a conversation with him about it, but the, the intention that maybe this business would pass to you one day? Yeah, I felt that there was no explicit conversation as to where's this all heading. And I'm a planner. I am very organized. I am a process girl. I need to know, like, I'm a list person. Like, so yeah, what, where are we heading? Like, and after that, where are we heading? And my father's very different. He's very much, he always uses this analogy of entrepreneurship is like playing a game of soccer. And to me, it's not a game. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's heavy. It's yeah. risky. Yeah. There's a lot at stake. Um, and so, yeah, that was difficult. Yeah, no, I can understand that. And so you didn't have a, a peer group of executives to talk to either because of the, probably the same privacy issues and maybe even some jealousy. With I, I'm assuming a company of this size had a, a pretty full executive team. Did they see you as a peer or were they threatened by you? I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> did I hit a, did I I strike a chord? <laughs> you did, because there were some of them that literally um, I'd known when I was five. So they'd watched me grow up. Um, these were the folks that, you know, they saw me as little Nicker, that I would come to the office and visit my dad in the office and, oh, play with her with her little bows, whatever was on her head or whatever. And then I, I, I flash forward 20 years, I'm now your boss. I'm now deciding on your remuneration. I'm deciding on company culture. I'm deciding on strategic direction. I stepped on a few toes, but I was very much self-aware and I was very much aware of those potential dynamics. I was very much aware of those potential dynamics. So I came at it with empathy. Like, how would I feel if I were in that position? Because I'd worked in corporate and I'd had bosses. If I had someone 20 years younger than me being my boss, how would I feel if I'd worked hard for so many years in an organization and the idea is to climb up the career ladder and then suddenly a child comes in the way, then it's like, what's the point? Um, I don't have the right surname to qualify to be, you know, to break through this glass ceiling. So I was very much aware of those dynamics. And so I tried to, as much as possible, be a change champion for them as well. I, they, a lot of the time saw me as a bridge between um, the family and the employees. Cause my father literally had worked for two years as a medical doctor. So it never really works in, the, in an organization. Whereas I had experience in a very structured, well, well 
well-run organization. So I had an understanding and an empathy for the employees. So yeah, it, I, it did step I did step on a few toes. A few people resigned. <laughs> a few people um, were not happy at all and made it very clear. Um, but guess what? A, a lot of people were happy. Um, it was also an opportunity to bring in fresh blood to the system, to jazz things up a bit, um, to change the structure or to create a structure. When I came in, there was no HR. When I came in, there was no finance. Crazy for a company of that size. Yeah. Um, there were no. There was no SOP. So there was a lot of standardization and creation of administration, um, which for many people that were talented, but just were lost in um, this very founder centric business, the structure that I brought on board was really helpful for them. Yeah. So then flash forward, you decided to move on from the company. What was behind that decision and how was that conversation with your father? Well, Moving on from the company meant I literally just took on additional responsibilities outside of the company. Um, so it wasn't, it was like a gradual dial of my activities in the company as opposed to like a cold turkey on the 1st of January, 2020, I'm out. <laughs> um, but the conversation was really, Dad, look, um, this is what I'm passionate about. You know, I've always been very passionate about economic development. And there are many businesses that are like ours, but guess what? We are actually one of the better ones in that we're a bit more organized. Um, we're a bit more exposed to the world, the, the world of family business advisors and the best thinking. And we're open to receiving those ideas and customizing it for our situation. There are many people that are completely in the dark and you know, and he had many examples. I remember when I first moved back, he would be like, yeah, there was this family that had all these businesses and then the founder died. And I'm like, and then? And he's like, yeah, and look at them now. I'm like, ooh, yeah. And he's like, it's typical over here. I'm like, well, it's not normal. And so he knew that it was really my passion. And so I, he supported me a hundred percent and was like, whatever I needed to do to start my journey as an advisor, I should do it. So he supported me with my training. He supported me with getting a mentor. Um, but the condition was that I ensured that I didn't let the ball drop in the business. And so I had to delegate. I had to put up the right structures to ensure that that all the work that I was doing was being attended to and that I had an oversight role. So I went from being quite operational to being more strategic and just gradually turned down the dial. And yeah, so I had the support of my family, which was really nice. Um, but, you know, the month that it took me a whole month to I've been thinking about all these ideas, what I wanted to do. As an advisor, talking to my husband, it took me a month to go and finally see my dad and be like, okay, this is what I'm thinking of. And what do you think? Awkward. And he's like, no, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. That sounds great. It was, was a supportive whole, of you. It was that, a whole eight minutes. So you had such anxiety over that eight minute conversation, but <laughs> at least prepared you for it, right? That you didn't hem and haw. You were committed to what you wanted to do and clear. And he supported you. That, that's amazing. Why don't you share what that became? So to be more strategic in helping other African communities and families, family mm -hmm. businesses. 
So I started off my journey working with Next Chance because I, I am one and I understood their journey and I had to go through a, a personal journey of inner work um, to develop conviction, courage, um, to be able to collaborate with people. And so I started off one-on-one -on -one coaching and what have you. And over time, <clears throat> it became apparent to me that to really have a great impact on the family and business system, I had to work with other stakeholders, the founders, siblings, spouses were relevant. And so I started doing work connecting generations in family firms, which is like the basic building blocks of succession, um, basic building blocks of governance. Just can we just have a conversation first about this thing that we're doing? What is it for? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, can we not just all go in different directions? Because what happens is actually, you know, I opted to come to Nigeria for three months. Quite often, there are many of my friends that are still in the UK or in the US and never do come back. And the next gens are just off in their own different direction, have no clue what's happening back home. And the founders are having so much angst and worry about what's what's going to happen to this business. Am I going to have to sell it? You know, um, what's all this for? And hence why we're not seeing as much multi-generational transfer as possible. So yeah, I started off as an advisor and then I met another friend of mine who had very similar observations of down in, she was based in Harare, Zimbabwe. And we both jointly um, recognized that it was insufficient to make a great impact on the African family business space in absence of building a community. That actually, yeah, business owners needed a guide, but more importantly, they needed each other. And the best um, gift we could give our community was to create a framework and facilitate this community. And so we decided to co-found African Family Firms, a nonprofit association. We did that in February 2020. You can do the math. A month later, the whole world turned upside down with COVID-19. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, <laughs> however, um, AFF's mandate was to be that community, like I mentioned, to create a network of whereby families could meet together, learn from each other and network with each other to provide education and training through webinars, podcasts, through summits, conferences and the like to do research in conjunction with learning institutions and other consultancies. Why are we seeing this 2%? Who are these family businesses on the continent? Um, what then, what can we do then as an organization to ensure that we're supporting our family, our community, so that they can see generational wealth and generational legacies? And lastly, advocacy. So creating that awareness in government circles of, firstly, it's not all about in Nigeria, for instance, the national obsession is oil and gas. It's multinationals. Everyone thinks that that's the heart of the economy. It's not, it's family business. And so if the heart of the economy is family business, what policies do we need to ensure um, we need to have to see that they thrive? Um, whether it's tax breaks, whether it's industry support and what have you. Um, yeah, so that's the work. That's incredible work. I love that you found your, and, and her name, I don't know if you said her name. Sissy. Sissy. I love that you found each other because she's in a completely different country. 
And I think I read that you found each other on LinkedIn. Is that right? We did. It's incredible. I remember we had our first conversation in August 2019. And it was just like, oh my God, like, is this what it's like in Zim as well? Oh my God, this is exactly how it is in Nige. And she was doing family governance work uh, because she had lost her dad two years prior and the family business collapsed um, shortly after that. And so she was quite inspired to play her part in seeing more generational businesses. And I, I had started my coaching work with next gens and things, but we weren't quite ready to, we knew that we had a very strong commonality and, um, a bond, but we weren't quite ready to partner. And it was later that year in December, 2019, that we had a, a catch up and we were like, yeah, we think what the family businesses need is a community. And so we came together in February 2020 to establish that. The plan was we were going to meet. <laughs> but <laughs> that didn't happen though, right? Global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> that got in the way. Yeah. There's so much that's interesting to me here because there's a real wealth of entrepreneurship happening in the on the continent, right? But this challenge of it's not going to the next generation. 2% is such a low percentage. And I can't help but wonder if that's related to what something you, you said, what you were feeling in your experience was being under the founder's shadow mm-hmm. and that the founder, he or she, probably assuming mostly he, is shouldering most of it. Mm-hmm. And, and just that I, I'm building this, I'm building this and not having that planning and foresight to think about, well, what is it going to take? Am I going to die in this office and the di- and the business is going to die with me, which is unfortunately CC's experience with her dad, or are they going to, you know, think about it as a, as a generational transition and passing legacy on? So I, I can really appreciate why you're doing what you're doing and the economic development, the social impact can be massive. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you know, you really can have a big impact. You and I had chatted before we started recording that you have some personal transitions coming up and they're really yes. exciting. And I thought maybe we could start to wrap up with you talking about your next. Yeah, my next step is my husband, myself and our two boys. We're moving to the U.S. We're moving to Texas in two months. That's and so, so great. <laughs> here we go again, a new chapter um, for us as a family. Um, also in the business, because now I'm literally just a shareholder <laughs> in the business and have just that oversight function. And now I, I've had many dreams in my heart, many ideas, but haven't necessarily had the time to go after them, social entrepreneurship. And yeah, and a new terrain um, just presents so much opportunity to pursue those, as well as like I mentioned a lot of next gens are out in the diaspora in the UK, in the US and Canada, all over the world. And many of them are seeking, how can I help my family business to see that it crosses a generational line? So we're establishing chapters in the States um, and yeah, supporting growing the community across international, across um, different continents, which is an exciting time. So I'm really excited about the move. Oh, I'm so excited. Maybe you and I one day we will get to meet. Yay. <laughs> <That'd be cool. laughs> well, because the US is, I'll say, you know, lucky to have you. I'm excited to hear about that and wish you well in your move and the expansion of your mission. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out? 
Yes, um, my website would be the best way, um, nikeanani.com. That's N-I-K-E-A-N-A-N-I.com. Wonderful. And I love to talk to people about their favorite quotes for inspiration, and I'm sure you have many. Is there one that you would like to share? Yes, um, by Stephen Covey, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Um, that really helps me in my journey integrating into the family business, not really understanding the way my father thought, um, not really understanding how and why things were. Um, it took me some time to, to get that I wasn't supposed to be to question him, but to ask him questions to arrive so that he would arrive at the answers himself. Um, but initially I started off being the critic, just giving a laundry list of all the things in the business that needed changing. And it really was not effective. <laughs> so yeah, I, I always say to next gen, seek first to understand, understand the founder, understand other stakeholders as well, non-family staff, understand the industry, the business, and then to be understood because people just want to feel seen and heard. It's only when they feel seen and heard that they see and hear you. That is very true. That's my experience as well. I love the Stephen Covey quote. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Nikkei, because you are working on succession stories every day. And maybe someday we'll come back with your U.S. experience and you can talk about your work in a broader context. And it's been really great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, the potential net proceeds of a transaction, and your financial needs after you leave the business, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand these numbers, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Take the next step by requesting an initial meeting to begin planning for your business transition and strategic exit today. Request a call with me by visiting smalldotbig.com. That's smalldotbig.com. I look forward to speaking with you.